0: It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Some listeners may be familiar with award-winning chef Ali Honor, who is based in Cork. Ali joins us now to tell us more about her food journey and her latest project, Beans is how.
1: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm.
0: Ali, you're very welcome to the best possible taste. You have a campaign that you would like to talk about today that is called Beans is How. But before we get into that, I just want to find out a bit more about you and your journey in the food world because you grew up in England and your grandparents were very much all about cooking and baking and butchering and farming. So you were kind of immersed in that food world from the moment you were born. Yeah,
1: Um, first of all, thanks for having me, uh, Shannon. It's a a privilege to be uh, on the best possible taste and congratulations for your 10 years and a few weeks now uh, of doing the show. It's it's brilliant. Um, So yeah, I suppose, look, Everyone knows now, I suppose, from from just me, me talking about is my connection with food. And yes, I was born into it um, very luckily because I had such amazing grandparents. Um, Grandpa Cutler on my mum's side, yes, was a farmer, um, was was um, obsessed with his Aberdeen Angus uh, beef. Uh, um, but he really, um, you know, showcased them and looked after them and their well-being. And yes, he he was a butcher and he butchered his own animals and um he had a pub uh which was great fun um and I had a I had a um you know he was the business person I suppose in my life from a very early age um I always had this entrepreneurial streak in me and I think um I think it's definitely through him uh and then my other grandparents of the honours um you know they were from the war everything was you know about home growing and um, you know, nothing was wasted. So, grandpa looked after all the growing and the harvesting, and he taught me, you know, all about soil from a young age and what to look for and what to plant when, and then gr- watching it grow with him, harvesting with him, taking it into granny, uh, and utilizing everything, you know. So, whether it was something for the pot, whether, you know, it was pickling, it was fermenting, it was jamming. Um, And she taught me how to, you know, look at a recipe and to adapt it and to utilise what you have, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So very, very lucky from an early age to to have that kind of uh, food background.
0: And whenever I was reading up on you, I, I didn't know that you actually wanted to be a barrister, that you went off to Newcastle University to study law yeah yeah um so my parents obviously were extremely proud that I was going
1: to go to university to become a barrister on a QC had a lovely ring to it um still does <laughs> but um yeah um um yeah I suppose that, that's all I wanted to do. I've always been very um a bit of an all-rounder if you like in terms of I loved school I loved learning I've always loved learning I learn every single day of my life I you know it, it still do to this day um and I consider that quite a privilege to, to be open-minded, to adapt, and to to evolve and to learn. I was obsessed with history, um, and um, and the law. I was just, I was just, I was just, I still am. You know, if there's a law program on, or you know, there's a murder mystery, you know, I'm there watching it. Um, but yeah, I went to university, uh, but I had to get a job. I didn't have my parents didn't have the, the money to support me through university, uh, and student loans back then were were not that great I don't know what they're like now but they weren't that great um and to study law you had to be really immersed into it um and it was full-on and there wasn't much time for work for work but I had to uh and what could I do I mean I was cooking so you know I started cooking professionally when I was 13 but I'd started cooking you know um I was doing like you know meals for my relatives and family friends from about the age of eight. So that's the entrepreneurial thing coming in. But I started cooking when I was 13 through a Cordon Bleu chef. Um, all my weekends and school holidays, I was there cooking and you know, she was teaching me all the things I didn't know. Um, and by the time I was 18, I'd been doing it then you know, for five years and I'd worked in another couple of places. So I went down and walked my way, taught myself into a, a job um, on Gray Street there in Newcastle called, it wasn't Metropolitan at the time. and. Um, Yeah, I I worked my way up and I was running pastry and larder within a few weeks. And um, the exec chef there said, you know, you've got quite a talent for this. You know, what are you doing? And I explained to him. And at the time it was it was, you know, it doesn't I don't think it exists now. But at the time there was a catering college next door and they were looking for. Basically, they didn't have enough people coming through, so they needed people to to be, you know, to subscribe and and join. Um, And I was able to just do my my exams because I've been doing it for so long. Um, But then I quickly realised that, you know, I had to really study and work really hard for the law, whereas the food all just came so naturally. Um, that I, I decided to turn my degree into a mixed arts degree and um, off I went then
0: traveling around Europe cooking. Because of course being able to cook is such a brilliant skill like it is a life skill but professionally it can take you all around the world mm. and it's really interesting to hear about the the impact and the influence that the different family members had on you and then the people in the various kitchens that you've worked so You know, you obviously have a very strong work ethic that has been instilled in you from an early age, just by family members leading from example. And, you know, I can very much see why you would have gone into law, because anything that you're passionate about, you're really passionate about it. And you're great to talk about it and to share that passion. So before we come on to the, the the current projects that you're involved in, you did have a couple of your own businesses, which I, I think was probably a natural step for you, given all the experience that you had accumulated at such an early age. So tell us about Beckstone and Ali's Kitchen.
1: Yeah. So um, again, yeah, that sort of work ethic and that determination. To, I wanted to be, you know, I always wanted to be my own boss, you know, um, and and drive my own business and I spent a lot of time working for other people um and I learned a lot I learned a lot of good stuff and I learned a lot of not so good stuff or things how I wouldn't do when I was um, I had my own place um but it was always my goal that was that was my destination was to 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 get to to run my own business um and Bakestone came around um it was um I was in I went into partnership with somebody else um but the whole food side the the concept of it was all mine um I suppose they were a bit of a you know the financial support at the time um and it was in a garden center so it was a complete just destination place which allowed you to have complete carte blanche over what you wanted to do uh it was a very big space um with a great big counter and at the time I suppose that kind of it was because it was a good few years ago now um you know that whole avocado esque um vibe was going on with all the big salad bowls and all the lovely sandwiches and just cake loads of cake um and I just went hell for leather I mean I I I used to spend hours and hours you know making all these different cakes doing all these different pastries and baking there was nothing at the time I I was you know is even with Ali's Kitchen where there was a lot of big uh bakeries producing for everybody around because cork is quite a small place at the end of the day you know it's it's um there's a lot of um There's a lot of people that would vibe for the same business. So I wanted to just do my own. And there wasn't that it wasn't that uniqueness, I suppose. And I'm so creative that I like to just make things up. I like to create different things. I like to continually evolve it, you know, whether that's a cake or a pastry or, you know, a different salad. I like to just keep changing, utilizing what I have in front of me, you know, what's in season. But you know what I have as well what's in season doesn't necessarily um, translate to what you can get in as well so um, the whole the whole point of them was to to so I said to spread the love of food or my food I wanted people to taste the love um, because I loved every you know I love those years I, I you know I look back on them fondly where I was just cooking you know, I was just cooking. I was just doing what I wanted to do. You were kind of immersed in your own bubble, which is good and bad, you know, um, on reflection. Um, it's how you evolve from it. But it was a good for me to immerse myself into that bubble for for a good few years. I mean, it was about 13 years where I was um, running my own businesses. Um, and um, I suppose I just I, I, that's where I kind of made a name for myself in terms of my my cooking and and my creativity.
0: You mentioned seasonality there, and EuroTalk is one of these organizations that, in order to be a member of it as a chef, you must be committed to using locally sourced in-season produce. Which sounds like a no-brainer, but unfortunately, in a lot of restaurants, hotels, that isn't actually the case. And I think your love of you know going with the flow being flexible and what you can put on the menu is very much in keeping with that Eurotalk ethos because you've said there just just because something is in season doesn't mean that it is available. Hmm. I think I think that kind of
1: that 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 brews up um, problems that we have now uh, where you go into a supermarket and you'd struggle to find you know 10 irish vegetables um and there's everything from you know you've got spain you've got netherlands you've got kenya you've got ethiopia there's all this food that's being shipped in and that's because people have got so used to having whatever they want whenever they want it uh we've lost again it's that connection it's that identifying what your food is and where it comes from and when we should eat it um and and that's the crucial point I think with now that how people live is that they're just so used to just having what they want when they want it and they, they so they have no idea when when it's good to eat a strawberry when it's good to eat you know a, a cabbage um and um you know we're very lucky in Ireland we're extremely lucky we have the most amazing producers um and we have some people doing some you know some amazing different produce um, unfortunately, you know, it's not so necessarily you know affordable to everybody uh, or accessible in terms of their knowledge. Again, identity and recognizing that they should be going to their local markets and and sourcing out that person that's that's growing the the, the veg and and bringing it locally and bringing what he or she has, you know, to sell because it's ready. Um, and living like that you know living you know rather than doing a shopping list that's like you know I want this I want this I want this Um, an interesting one I was I was reading about B. Wilson um, I I was rereading one of her books and she talked about grapes and it just reverbs this this imagery in my head with grapes to me was something that I literally we had maybe twice a year uh, more so at Christmas it was a treat and also it was like oh wow we've got grapes on the table but then they all had seeds in them which you didn't want and you're like breaking the grape apart to take the seeds out. And then it was like Russian roulette, you know, was it going to be sweet? Was it going to be sour? You know, it was like, you know, you'd be going around the table like a Padron pepper. um, And and now every single grape that you go into the supermarket is seedless, you know, it's juicy, it's sweet. You know, uh, you can have them 365 days a year. They're so sweet now that, you know, it's like, oh, they don't even they don't even taste like a grape because they're so sweet. Um, And that one you know, example of a grape is, is what's happened. Um, so yeah, to me, it's about, and again, like people just want to buy the same things all the time. Um, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of different varieties of of, of foods in the world. Uh, yet, you know, the average person will m- maybe only have 40 of them in their life. Um, so again, it's about, you know, experimenting and, and, and what can we grow here? and What can you buy here? Um, but then if you're, if you are buying imports, it's like, getting other stuff that you you couldn't necessarily get you know because you're extending your 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 palate if you like um you know I get very upset when I go in and find a cucumber that's covered in cling film from the Netherlands or you know tomatoes from Spain I actually go now I only buy tomatoes if I can smell them on approach
0: I would definitely agree that tomatoes they are completely lacking in flavor now unfortunately and i think if you if you're lucky enough to holiday in somewhere like france or spain or portugal where you can you can buy produce from a stall that has been grown locally the difference in the taste and the flavor of tomatoes compared to what people are buying here out of the supermarket like there's just no comparison the flavor is is superior whenever you're buying them in in the country that they've been grown in, preferably a nice warm country. Mm -hmm. Um, Education is a huge part of what you do now. And you've recently returned from a trip um, to Dubai yeah. But of course, you were working, and um, it was in conjunction with Chef's Manifesto. Um, we've had Connor Spacey on the program before talking about Chef's Manifesto. But just remind the listeners what Chef Manifesto is. So basically, Chef's Manifesto is.
1: Um, quite a wide ranging group of chefs from all over the world now uh, that have come together to support the UN's uh, STG sustainable goal system Uh, and basically to to end world hunger uh, is the you know is the end goal Um, and we've put in a lot of thematic areas of of uh, change that we're trying to tackle one at a time Um, and what Paul Newham does is um, very cleverly um, works with organisations from all over the world um to bring people together and to share ideas and to try and change behaviours and mindsets um and to you know evoke some change into how we live and how we eat um uh more importantly uh and dubai um was an amazing trip i was very honoured to be asked to go and and partake in it um, but it was um to do with cop28 so COP 28 is in uh, 30th of November. 30th of November it starts for two weeks, um, and the emphasis there's a big emphasis this this time on on food and the food crisis that we're in, um, and the whole point of it is there's 60,000 people going to be there a day, uh, and to bring in the 1.5 alignment, so to bring down people's people's daily carbon emissions. So the the the, the point of it was is to get the caterers. That, and the chefs that are going to be there. And we, we as the chef manifesto chefs went in and did workshops with them. So we did masterclasses. It was kind of a bit, you know, uh, master chef where we had our counters and we demonstrated different dishes and the we took um, the most uh, purchased items at any of these kind of conferences, you know and it was things like burgers and chips. It was pizza and chips. It was ice cream. Um, it was chicken wraps, um, all these different fish and chips all these different things. And it was us putting our own spin on them um, to bring down the carbon emissions of each dish. That was our masterclass. So the emphasis obviously is to be more plant-based, um, to be zero waste, um, to uh, think about the packaging, um, to be nutritious, to make sure it's balanced. Um, I was very fortunate because I've been studying nutrition, as you know, for the last few years. And um, it really brought in my training there, you know, that skill set of a chef that actually understands nutrition um, isn't necessarily um, a, a common thing uh, I've discovered. Um, you can make food taste amazing, but it's actually what does it do for your body and how does it represent on the plate? Um, so that was my masterclass. And I I went I went health for leather. I went to one extreme. So you've got A to E on the, the carbon um, scale. Uh, And most of those dishes that they picked were all at E, you know, because they were high meat, high, you know, they were high fat processed, all that kind of thing, Uh, water production. Um, Whereas I tried to get everything to an A. So everything was plant-based, everything was zero waste. So I utilized, I heroed a a vegetable basically. So my chicken wrap was actually um, a turnip. So it was a turnip into three different ways. A roasted marinated turnip was the chicken uh, and then I did a uh, pickled turnip and then I took the skin off the turnip and I roasted it and I made a powder, which was like the garnish and the extra umami to the to the wrap. And then chickpeas. I know we'll get onto beans in a minute, but um, everything, every dish I did had beans in. Um, and so it was really highlighting and showcasing how you can take a concept, a different concept of cooking um, to 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 utilize and hero a vegetable to, to, to not have any waste over it and to produce something that's highly nutritious, but also tastes living good. You know, that's the key.
0: Yeah. Cause Connor Spacey has spoken on the program before about the peelings. We're,
1: for- we're obsessed with peelings, the two yeah,
0: of us. <laughs> all the different fantastic things that you can do with them so that they aren't wasted. You know, mm. we talked about ter- turning them into a powder to use a seasoning and like with, with the air fryer being such a popular kitchen staple now, a lot of people are taking those peelings and giving them a spray of oil and sea salt and then turning them into lovely vegetable crisps. Yeah, yeah. For their air fryer. So sometimes I think people think that these can be very difficult things to do, but there are lots of easy wins out there. But a lot of it is to do with education. And, and also understanding the monetary value and
1: understanding the value of all food. So if you were to give somebody, you know, a chicken breast, they'd utilize all that chicken breast, you know. But if you give somebody a turnip or a cauliflower, for example, you know, what do they take? They just take the bit they want and they throw the rest in the bin. Whereas that's food, you know. Um, Certainly something I'm trying to explain to my daughter is, you know, we're not wasting any food. You know, if there's you eat the food on your plate, you know we're not throwing stuff away you know giving her that education about you know there are people in this world that don't have enough food you know her asking for chocolate every single day it's like well there's people that can't have chocolate you know and understanding what chocolate is and why what the difference between you know dark chocolate is to to the people we won't talk about kind of chocolate you know um so it's that monetary value it's that education it is all about education um and and also people listening you know and and Admitting that we are we have a, a huge problem on our hands, um, and it's not just about those poor people in another country that we're never going to meet in our lives. Uh, it's about you know the climate crisis. It's about food waste. It's about you know how to you know how to tackle those issues, which everybody should be doing. Um, and if everybody even just you know did a little bit of research or listened to people you know like me and i don't want to make it like it it doesn't have to be boring and you know do this do that it's about sort of highlighting a problem and giving some solutions to it um so everyone has a choice at the end of the day but if people just took a bit of notes and stopped wasting food um, which is, you know, when we're in the inflation crisis that we're in, even from a monetary point of view, is worth doing anyway, apart from, you know, the environmental side of things. Uh, but also, you know, understanding that, you know, there's too much cattle, there's too much meat, livestock being reared on this planet. Uh, we can't even, that's, it, that's unsustainable and everything is, you know, we want to live in a sustainable environment. So even just to reduce your meat content by, you know, half would make such a huge difference to to the you know to the to the world that we live in um and everybody can do that this is not this is not a you know it's not a, a difficult thing it's just uh, acknowledging it one of the
0: substitutes for meat that you're very passionate about is beans so there is a campaign and it's beans is how tell us what that is all about because i presume it's not about heinz baked beans uh no it's not about heinz baked
1: beans but heinz baked beans is a good place to start with most people Um, So, the Beans Is How campaign is to double the consumption of beans by 2028. Um, You know, beans are a key to a healthier and more sustainable um, future. Um, Such a huge variety of beans uh, that can be grown all over the world in every single climate. Um, They don't need much water, they give nitrogen back to the soil, they're great from from a crop rotation, so anything that's grown that damages the soil um, to plant beads that following season, then actually, you know, you're you're crop rotating, you're giving your benefits back to the soil. So they're a they're a winner. You know, they are, I, I call them the powerhouse of, of everything because they're so nutritional, they're so affordable, you know, they're doing so much good. Um they're so versatile. I mean, I, I I you know anybody that's following me on Instagram now, it is all about beans. Um I'm really going down um, you know, the bean queen uh road. Um Because to showcase that you don't need to have all this meat, and that 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 you know a bean or you know even other vegetables like a mushroom, for example, from that textural point of view, but the protein and the fiber in a bean um, is far greater than anything that you're going to get meat based, Uh, and that's another thing. The fiber is is people don't understand about fiber; they're not eating enough fiber. They don't realize how important it is for their digestion and their gut health, Uh, but also about satiety. You know, so. You know, people were like, Oh, I'm just going to eat a big steak and feel full. That's because of the high level of protein. And we've, we're on these buzzwords again, you know, in the, in the how people are marketing and advertising things. It's like protein, protein, protein. Yes, protein is extremely important. And we need to make sure that we are eating enough of it for our, for our, um, our health and our repairs and, 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 and uh, immune system. But if you don't have high fiber, then your body's not functioning you know your, your gut's not functioning in the backward in the complete way so beans for me um are just a winner and and something where I have kind of found my passion where I can utilize my my um the 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 smaller amount of ingredients that I want to use and beans are always going to be you know the the main part from a from a protein and fiber point of view and then utilizing another vegetable or a few vegetables but making sure that you're not wasting any of them um and i'm going to be doing lots of different things with beans uh, 2024 is going to be a big bean year um so i'm doing um pop-ups from all over ireland um lots of people we haven't we haven't got dates uh locked in obviously we're at the we're at the end of the year now where all the all the restaurants are going to be really really busy lead, the lead up to christmas but from 2024 um i'm working on a on a on a calendar of different pop-ups there'll be a few in london um there'll be quite a few all over ireland um i'm hoping to well i am going to be joining up with some other chef manifesto friends uh, in the likes of South Africa and India, I'm going to go and do some really good bean pop-ups. But it's not just about just eating beans. The whole point is to get everybody to eat more beans. So I'll be doing things with fish and beans. I'll be doing things with beef and beans. You know, um, to just to get people to like reduce their amount of meat that they're eating, a smaller portion, and less, and substitute that with beans and extra fibre to really, you know, give you a, a more balanced meal that's more sustainable.
0: Well, I'm presuming it's something that features quite regularly on your menu at home with your family. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. And- well. So yeah. Basically, every day I, I'd be posting what, what what we're eating, but like I'm doing a lot of recipe development at the minute because I'm doing another project that, that involves doing lots of recipes. So I'm doing a lot of that on the uh, in in the background uh, as well as the the, the daily bean. So we we'll go back to the we we'll go back to you what you said about the baked beans. So everybody I bet everybody if they go to their cupboard has got a tin of baked beans lurking in there somewhere um and they could be there for a while um now I love baked beans um I'll always have some baked beans in in the cupboard for for my daughter um as an emergency but I like making them but I'll use that tin of beans into another dish you know, so I don't. I'm not just eating that tin of baked beans. I always get if I do if I do buy a tin of the the pre baked beans, um, it will be the the reduced sugar and salt ones, um, because you don't need to to buy the ones that are full of the, the 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 normal old school ones if you like. Um, but I would use them as a base. You know, I always I always you'll always have some onion and a bit of garlic. You'll always have you know half a carrot and a quarter of a courgette. There's always stuff in there that you can just make a really delicious, yummy bowl. Uh, of beans with, um, and uh, you know, I love, I, I still love toast, hot buttered toast, and some beans is is still one of my favorite meals. I have, and now I have a a, a cupboard that's just beans. So I have different dried beans, I have different tin beans, and I also say I, I like lots of people are scared of beans because they associate it with 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 soaking and cooking of the beans. Um, so I think they all, like all beans, all beans are good. And, um, I have nothing wrong with tin beans. I have loads of tin beans because they're quick and it's, it's a quick meal. Once you have tin beans, um, butter beans, you know, just with some lovely herbs and some, um, and a few veggies, like even tomatoes and a bit of feta and some beans. It's a delicious meal with some spinach thrown in. It's really about utilizing whatever I have. I just make stuff up. But, um, the important thing about tin beans is just to make sure that you rinse them. So you put them into a colander and you just rinse them well before using them. And then because otherwise people tend to say that they suffer with digestive problems.
0: I was going to say I thought you were going to say that people are afraid of beans because they associate them with flatulence. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do. Uh, And that but then that's because
1: then people aren't eating enough of them so it's about getting the the gut the you know getting your guts into a healthy place so you you unfortunately you do have to go through that little uh that you have to go on that little journey for you know to to, to but you have to just bring them into your diet you know and to get the gut back macro up um and then you don't you know not certainly not as much <laughs> certainly not as much as most people do i mean most people go for a uh could go for it you know and curry is a good example you know you associate beans with a lot with curries so you know like lentil lentil dolls with chickpeas and all that kind of stuff and people will go I'm never eating that again you know I'm bloated and I've got flatulence but that's just because they haven't had it you know and also there's spice element there's all those things in there it's such a good like you know a a chickpea doll one of my favorite things ever but it's so full of good stuff that if you're not used to having all of that stuff then obviously you know your body will not appreciate you for a day
0: we'll just clarify that whenever you say about rinsing the beans you're not talking about the beans and tomato sauce you use no. that as is but if you have a tin of butter beans or black beans or chickpeas for yeah. example you would give them a good rinse before you would use them
1: with the chickpeas I, I would drain them into a container and keep the aquafaba and then rinse them and, yeah. and then use the aquafaba and something else but yeah
0: yeah. The sad aquafaba from chickpeas can be used for making like vegan meringues, for example. Yeah. Yeah. But the in the in the spirit of no waste, the, the liquid from the other beans, can it be used for different things?
1: Um you can you can like I've I've done some experimenting with it. I've experimented at putting it into making flatbreads and things like that. Um but um it's kind of that's kind of the part that that the body doesn't like so much because they've been sitting in the because they've been sitting in the can, um, so I don't mind. And most of the and most of it, they're not really water anyway. It's more kind of starchy, you know. Um, it's not that much liquid, so I just give them a quick rinse. But I definitely use them all the time, and there's definitely no no problem with with saying that you're using uh, tim beans instead of soaking and and cooking them because they do take a while.
0: I would suspect that with your recipe experiments and whatnot, that you probably will find use for all of those different liquids over mm-hmm. the next year or so. So people should definitely follow you on your your Instagram to find out more about what you are cooking on a daily basis and and how to really nurture that zero waste um culture that is becoming more and more important.
1: Yes, hundred percent. So it's it's Ali in the kitchen, Cork, um, on Instagram, and um, yeah, there's 2024 is going to be fun. Lots of things happening, uh, like I said, um, but it's just about you know getting getting people aware of what's going on um, and to have fun with cooking and being creative. And you can have you can be so much more creative. When you have very few ingredients and you just literally are cooking with what's available to you you actually engage your brain you're not you know like recipes are great obviously i'm a chef we all want people to follow with people's recipes etc um but you know you can adapt recipes and it's very and that's something that granny you know said to me is there's your recipe we don't have this but you can use this or i don't like this i can swap it for something that i do like um and just getting that little bit more creative and 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 stopping the the zero waste is is you know, it, like you said, if 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 Connor and I
0: uh, could could solve that problem, you know, it would be a, an amazing thing. I definitely think that the two of you are having a very positive impact in that area, and it's been great to chat to you tonight. Thanks so much for for coming on to to share what you're up to and best of luck with 2024. We look forward to talking to you again then. Thank you so much, Sharon. Take care. Thank you. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.